0: Hey Pod nutsians. welcome to the Mini PC show. This is a uh, show all about big talk, little machines. My name is Doradora Geek. Glad to meet you. Uh, we are joined tonight by two mini PC enthusiasts. Uh, first and foremost, Rich, how's everything going?
1: Uh things are real good. I mean, I, I got a couple of things to talk about, talk about a little bit of 3D printing and talk a little bit about the Kama AI open pilot. So when you're ready, we'll jump in.
0: Very cool, as always, um, Brett. Man, how how's everything going?
2: It's going good. Um, been working on some uh, some lights, some three uh, D printing also, and uh, it's been uh, enjoying making things too. So it's that's always the fun thing as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, busy is good as long as you're not stressed out. Busy, um, and I got to ask, how is the weather where where you're at there in uh, California?
2: It's warm. It's hot. Um, there's, I think there's still at least two fires going on around me. Um, not close enough to really do anything about, but uh, it's worrisome for a couple of our uh, friends and family and stuff like that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I mean, without sounding dumb, number one, be safe. Uh, and then number two, when you can have some fun is the way that, that I put it. Um, I will. I, I, there's one link I want to talk about really quick, but first I have to say the big thank you to Tom O. Uh, He was a a supporter of this show, and I will say, if you even supported this podcast for one month, we will show you um, thanks for the rest of PodNuts' existence. So I want to say thank you, uh, Tom O., for your support back in uh, 2017. And if you, too, would like to support this show, it's not difficult at all. All you have to do is just go to uh, patreon.com slash the mini PC show oh, one word link in the notes and you too can help this podcast remain completely free from advertising. Uh, personally, I feel like advertising pollutes, dilutes uh, all content and makes it less credible, fills it with all kinds of nonsensical BS is the way that I'll put it in the most politically correct way I can. Um, first thing I got to bring up be, be for anything else is said. This is an example of why I trust Pine64, because I believe the most trustworthy government officials, for instance, are the most transparent people, a.k.a. they have absolutely nothing to hide. Um, Pine64 came up with an announcement on September 17th, and they basically said on September 17th, they discovered that there was somebody accessing their Pine store Uh, starting on September the 5th. So it was literally only 12 days. So if you made a purchase on the official Pine 64 store between September 5th and September 17th, I definitely encourage you to put put like a tracer on your card just to be sure that nothing bad happens. They are fully open about everything that they believe was exposed. And they do not believe without a doubt in air quotes that they can guarantee no credit card or other financial information was at risk thanks to them having the information salted and hashed on different servers is the way I'll put it, but they at least had the testicular fortitude I'll say to come forward. And yes, chatter in the chat is exactly right. And I'll take, a, take another pause and say, thank you, red. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, chatter for coming out live to the chat. If you want to come out live to the chat, it's very easy Follow us on one of the public spectacle forums, whether it is Facebook, Twitter, Discord, and we try to post when we go live. It was WordPress plugins not being kept up to date, having um, vulnerabilities to them. I'll just say personally, if it was me and I had a web store front end, there ain't no way in hell it would be running WordPress.
2: But that's me. Now, I have a question. Um, What would you run instead?
0: Uh, I would run basically custom code. Okay. Yeah. Uh, only because of the um, uh, l- low-hanging fruit theory, where if you run something that's popular, then people don't have to like work too hard to um, target you.
1: No,
2: that makes well, sense.
1: Yeah, and, and the whole security through obscurity, The if you can't script Kitty it, there's so many sites out there that you can script Kitty. Why would you bother working so hard to hack door-to-door geek site that's custom code?
2: No, I agree with that. Um, learned... Uh... Learned that phrase when I was in, I think I was 14 when I first learned that phrase. That was, uh, it was a fun start. Yeah, well, that's, that's a story for another day, though.
0: You know, I'll share with you guys individually a link to a podcast episode literally released today. Because, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I believe it was called Unsupervised Learning, where he went over the actual definition of security through obscurity and defining when something is and something isn't. Security through obscurity, and when it actually isn't a bad thing, um because there are times where it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's time where it is a bad thing, but it was a really interesting podcast, and I literally tried to emulate him in the beginning of the show about ads. He does it much more concisely. How ads are poison to the end product is the way that he put it. I'll say, um, and I'll say, put it like this: Currently, Podnuts you can access via HTTP or HTTPS. And between us, I don't care because there's no sensitive information that you should be sending to podnos.com. With that stated, I am looking at making the uh, do- the entire domain uh, strict uh, HTTPS protocol. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I got to make sure all podcasts and air quotes clients will work with it. And then when I'm positive, it will work. I will pull that trigger. Okay. Now, Rich was nearly giddy when he pinged me like three or four days ago about the comma AI. So first thing I'll ask you, Rich start from the time you open the box to your first drive till you finally reached your destination. And like, you know, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs
1: about the whole thing. Okay. Um, so I got it, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks before I actually got the car. So I unboxed it and I, I did record an unboxing video, uh, I got to edit it and post it because I was going to do a whole trip vlog, which I may or may not. You know, it's going to get posted in some form. Uh, the box is really nicely packed. It's really nice and secure. There's basically two components to it. There's the cell phone, you know, basically the brains of it. And it's the back of it is 3D printed, which is kind of cool. And it's got a windshield mount. It actually comes with two, which I needed because I mounted it crooked and I had a problem with that. The, uh, below that is the wiring kit for your vehicle. Now, my wife got a, she had a 2017 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid Limited, which was the top of the line. Didn't have every top of the line feature, but it was the top of the line, you know, that you could get. Great car. We loved it. But one day she woke up and said she wanted an SUV. Now, we do have an Envoy. But she decided she wanted an SUV. The, the Sonata got 40 miles to a gallon, which was really, and, and I, think, I think it would get like 600 miles on a tank of gas, which, phenomenal. But um, she looked at the RAV4 hybrid, liked the exterior, but the interior looked like a poor college kid's car. I'm like, hey, Toyota, Lexus, same thing. Let, let me check out what the Lexus hybrid SUV is. So the four hundred and fifty. So it's the Lexus RX four hundred and fifty H, and this thing is fully loaded. Um, but I'm going into the car. Let, so let, let me roll it back to the Open Pilot. So the Open Pilot. Uh, I powered it on. I created an account. You, the Open Pilot, is set up basically to be like a dash cam monitor. You a part of your licensing is your custom programming it to drive the car. And the way you do that is you type in their URL. It says, so you have just a radio button and you select like, hey, no, I don't want to run the dash cam. I want to run custom software. And you put in the URL. um, I think it's like Uh, openpilot.comma.ai, if I remember correctly. Loads the software in a couple of minutes, and then it's up and running and ready to go. You can create an count, and there's a phone app. And the phone app actually, I think it has a low-bandwidth cellular modem in there. It, it, you know, it's a cell phone, so I'm sure it can go down to 3G, 2G, whatever. And you can actually see where the car is at any time in on a map, and you can see the last drive, not real-time, but, you know, upload lagged real-time. Um, anyhow, rolling back to the car, so the dealer... Picked us up in Albuquerque, drove us to Santa Fe. Uh, we we got the car. It was a had a little more cosmetic, you know, scratches and whatever than I had expected. But the car is phenomenal. I mean, it, it the car rides like my dad's nineteen seventy Fleetwood Brougham. I mean, it, it is just like you know a, a carpet, magic carpet ride, unbelievable. And the tech is a little, I think it's a look. I can fly a plane and land it without seeing tech was a little uh, up there as far as getting used to it wasn't very obvious but okay so i as soon as i got the car the dealer i started pulling it apart to plug in the comma ai and the y harness from the videos i've seen plugs in on the right side under the mirror it actually plugged in on the left side so i'd written them and then i'm like eh, you know let me try this again like a day later after i fussed with it that the evening i got the car And sure enough, I pulled over the side of the road, figured it was the other connector, got it all plugged in, but I had it mounted, copped on the windshield, and it just kept telling me reposition and then, uh, you know, restart the initialization. Once I got it straight on there and got it to relearn, the thing was amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I'm new to adaptive cruise control, which the car had stock, which is a requirement for the open pilot to work. The thing will work up to 90 miles an hour. The lane change, so you turn your signal on to the direction you want to go, and then you tug the steering wheel in the direction you want to go. At highway speed, works really well. You're doing the checking, so the car doesn't check. If you pull, you know, turn the turn signal on and pull in the direction of a car that's next to you, you're going to hit the car. So it's, it's up to the old human to make sure things are right. So... I kind of, you know, sat there with my hands hovering over the wheel, sat there with my arms folded, sat there with the arms, my arms folded behind my head. I'm not sure if it's more or less fatiguing driving with open pilot because I think once you get relaxed with it, it's probably less fatiguing. But until you get to the point where you're relaxed, it, and I found myself just staring out as to the end of what I could see of road while the open pilot's running so i mean it was cool it was very cool i mean if you like to move around if you don't like to have your feet on the pedals if you like to stretch with your arms or whatever absolutely excellent my wife is kind of terrified of it so um i'm excited to use it my daughter's going to college three and a half hours away our intention is to use that for the drive there um it it was good even locally in stopping goat traffic it would go all the way down to zero miles per hour, like if you stopped at a stoplight. The, I Just playing with it, it seemed like to get it to go, I think it would go on its own once it saw a certain distance, but that was larger than most people would tolerate. I would hit the uh, increased speed on the cruise control, and then it would start to roll. So the only negative is in a town driving lane changes you had to tug the steering wheel a lot to get it to change and at that point you might as well be doing the lane change yourself so i i thought it worked really good there were a couple of times it was maybe to the left of the lane where i wanted to be more centered or to the right of the lane it wasn't objectionable it just wasn't um what i would consider perfect but i had no issues i had a couple of times where like the lane was ending or widening or there weren't lines and it seemed to handle that really well uh so i'm i'm very impressed i i don't care that it doesn't do lane changes at around town speeds um or it's just as much effort to manually lane change as it is to do the turn signal tug on the wheel Uh, around town you know at highway speeds it's phenomenal i am i'm super stoked super impressed pretty much the only thing you got to worry about is if there's a hunk of tire or some debris in the road because it's going to see if somebody's going to cut in on you we've had people you know get in front of us go slow and it backs off slows down we've had the people leave and then it accelerates back up to speed i'm i'm just real impressed with it i i think it's it's a phenomenal bargain at 1200 bucks
0: Yeah. And they're about to offer like a payment plan for it as well. Uh, You have to um, qualify for it. I'll I'll say, Um, if you take into consideration the price of something like a Tesla, and then you take a price of a, in air quotes, normal car, and then adding this to it, the cost savings is grand and greatest way I'll put it. Um, I appreciate the fact that it doesn't want to change lanes, but it wants you to initiate the lanes change, which to me is the way it should be. Um, on big highways is when it should be the most automated and when you're literally like like downtown in a city is when it should require you to do the most work as possible. There's been many people talking about the four levels of driver automation and the level four is when you're actually like inner city driving because that is the most complex, the most dangerous with the most distractions and the most things that are possible to jump out in front of you. So it it should be like the hardest one for it to do. Oh yeah.
2: I'll agree with that because, Oh no, you're good. Um, I like the fact that it's, I would rather have it on a, on a big freeway type thing. Um, but my question is, wouldn't the, does the obstacle avoidance from the Lexus, does that run at all? Because um, I know some of them, I don't know if it has it, but I know I know a lot of them will, you know, warn you if there's something in the middle of the road, or, you know, uh, I don't know what that has, or if it even matters.
1: Yeah, so I don't have enough time driving the Lexus without the open pilot to know if it would warn me that there was, you know, a hunk of something in the road. I, we also didn't come upon a hunk of something in the road in our, like, 2,000-mile drive, so... um
2: well, oh, I'll, just, I'll just throw something in front of the road when when I see you. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can count on you.
0: Yeah, I would say in in my newer minivan, we just got. Oh, I want to say it's a twenty seventeen. No, twenty eighteen. It does have FCW front collision warning, and it only happens if you literally like tailgate somebody or it thinks you break too late. Um, we've had it now yeah. for well over a month. I think I've heard it like beep twice. One time we looked, I looked at. My wife she, and she looked at me, and we don't know what the hell made it go off. Um, the other time, it was uh, the person in front of me did break quicker than expected. I definitely braked in time, but it was nice that it le- at least l- let me know. So now, don't we- don't be shocked if it takes a month of like friggin' driving for it to show up. Now, will that
1: hit the brake for you?
0: No, on my Honda Odyssey minivan, I believe it will just do a auto a audible warning and that's it okay do
2: you have the honda sense is that what it's considered i honestly
0: i don't believe so i believe honda sense came out 2019
2: okay okay yeah i I don't yeah
0: well and here's the thing rich hugging to the left of the center lane if i had to guess which of course i don't have a phd and i didn't hack a playstation or an iphone like george holtz who's the guy behind comedy but if i had to guess the, the software did not take into consideration the width of your individual car so it defaults to be as like close to the middle line to the left marker as it possibly can thus sometimes will allow unnecessary um widths to the right of your car
1: yeah all, all in all uh, there was nothing offensive let me just say there was some fine tuning and so the the Kata kind of AI, you can steer, it'll pull a little in one direction or the other, but you can steer. But if you hit the gas or the brake, then it disengages and you have to re-engage. So uh, very, very well done, very well thought out. I'm, I'm real excited about it. And one of the things you didn't mention is after you spend whatever money on a Tesla, it's another $8,000 for the autopilot, which is kind of crazy, I, at least I think. I so agree. the there's probably and, and don't get me wrong we we got a let, let's just say all right so the car that we got the specific car we got was over sixty thousand dollars new it's three years old and we paid thirty five for it so dramatic you know great price point to buy at where we're basically the car lost you know forty plus percent of its value so that that's sorry for the first owner but good for me. But there's other cars out there. There's a lot of really budget vehicles that this will work with. So I would say go out to comma um, AI, look at their site at what's out there. Like a bunch of Prius vehicles will work. A bunch of uh, low, or I should say budget hybrids will work with the system because they throw in the extra tech things. So if you have what is commonly called lane keep assist, where the car will steer to some degree and some sort of brake assist or front collision or adaptive cruise control, those are the two components that allow the system to work. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in getting into it, check around, check one of the websites like maybe Auto Tempest or something like that. And I don't know if I mentioned we sold my wife's car on Carvana, which... um, they they came a little bit longer story. We'll tell the whole long story. Short of the story is we sent them some pictures, some Vin information, whatever. They sent us a price. We liked it. We said let's do it. They came by, they got the car and gave us a check. So pretty hassle-free. And I thought we got a decent price. Um based on values I calculated for the car, it was right in line with it.
0: Yeah, car That's good to hear. Yeah, car Vana tries to be like the real estate agent of cars. We're neither party is extremely satisfied, but the convenience factor will help alleviate the fact that both sides are ba- are basically getting a more fair price.
1: And the reason Carvano was something I sought out—one a friend said they did it, and it was no hassle. The other thing was, look, I'm buying a—I don't have a trade-in vehicle, or I do have a trade-in vehicle per se. It was just geographically undesirable. I wasn't going to drive it 2,000 miles. To get the car, you know, the new car, and drive that two thousand miles back. So it, it was you know beneficial for me to get rid of the car locally, and uh, that that was pretty pretty exciting. I mean, the whole the whole thing was a lot
2: of fun. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, Ooh, I got a shout out. Uh,
1: the people in Vega, Texas. We went. We stayed there overnight. The first the second night, first night. Anyhow, Vega, Texas. It's an eight hundred person town. They've got a great diner there at a great museum. If you're driving through Vega, Texas, and stop, definitely definitely it's worth the stop. The food at the diner there in the museum uh, is fantastic. Uh, I'll have to send Dora a link to include in the show notes, but tell them Flying Rich sent you.
2: I'll do that next
1: time. Well, where uh, where in Texas? Which side? Uh, Well, uh, you know, I went through from Santa Fe all through uh, Texas. Was it on, what route was it? God, i got to look that up. Santa Fe
0: is more west, almost southwest?
2: I have no idea. I drove through it, but, you know, I'm horrible with directions. That's why I was interested in that common AI. Okay, so Vega, Texas is off I-40, and it was
1: the Millbourne Price Cultural Museum, and let's see, the Hickory Inn Cafe. So uh, those two places definitely stop at, and if you do stop there, tell them Flying Rich sent you. I had a fantastic time with those people.
2: Good to hear. I'll uh, I'll have to yeah, because I think actually I drove right through that when I went to uh, when I went to Texas when I went to Longview last time because I remember driving through Amarillo.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And I'll just say we did get a comment. We get more than a couple comments on the YouTube, and I would say. You're not supposed to trust anything, like unabashedly. Like you're not supposed to be the mental invalid driving a Tesla in the UK and fall asleep behind the wheel. I agree with that. Because that happened, I want to say a week ago. And if you are that kind of person, maybe you need to be taken out back and shot in the yeah. head, like old Yeller. Um mm-hmm. all of this software, whether you're a doctor using Artificial intelligence, machine learning to help you diagnose breast cancer, or whether you're, you know, a, um, uh, in, um, in insurance adjuster, trying to help identify fraud, all these components, all these computers, all these systems are merely supposed to be tools to help you do a better job. So as a driver, these tools are supposed to just help you do a better job of driving. You're still driving. And if you relinquish total control to a comma AI system and it notices that you're not looking at the road for a certain length of time, it will completely disengage.
2: Oh, it will. So
1: I like what it does is it beeps at you. Uh, So it's looking, there's IR LEDs and the forward facing camera is looking at where your eyes are looking. So if you're not looking out at the road, if you're looking down at the dashboard too long, it first beeps at you, um, and there's a value uh, for the delay. But what I found out also is, if you wear sunglasses, it doesn't see your pupils, but it knows where your face is looking. So if you wear sunglasses and look down with just your eyes, it doesn't know. Cheater.
0: Well, <laughs> if you go out of your way to cheat the system, yeah, then you know you'll pay the repercussion. Yeah,
2: you deserve the. What you get so now the money
1: so you can there are forks of the code and uh so you could write your own code and upload it and I, I i may be doing some silly stuff with my comma ai in the future if my wife lets me
0: well everything in uh everything that george hots has done with comma ai is available on github you can download it you can recompile it you can tweak it um tesla is not doing that ford is not doing that bmw is not doing that mercedes-benz is not doing that toyota is not doing that no auto manufacturer in the world is doing that including i don't know if you guys heard about that uh um nicola the um uh, ceo was arrested because basically he was lying about his technology that he was using he was trying to like um, get some of the attention, some of the rub, some of the shine off of the Tesla name by calling his company Nikola.
2: Nicola. Nikola, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, uh, I just had an idea. You know, because uh, last week we were talking, and and I wanted to do it with my RV, but uh, I wonder if I could do it with a drift car.
0: Well, on the Comma AI site, it tells you what cars are compatible or not, you can basically put in a make, a model, and a year, and it will tell you. I wish it just gave you a list of all the compatible cars, but it doesn't.
2: Yeah, um, I just got to find a rear-wheel drive car that technically can be paddle-shifted. That would be expensive. So, uh,
1: like the Kia Stinger or the, oh, the uh, Genesis G70, yeah.
2: Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that'd be fun, because I last week I talked to my, uh, my buddy at AEM, and uh, he said he's been He's, he's heard about it and he's been messing with uh, electric cars because I guess uh, his company's doing the uh, they're doing uh, electric vehicle um, conversions. Um, so it'll uh, it'll be fun um, to see where where his, his place is going and uh, see what they're doing but uh, I talked to him about doing it with my RV and uh, and we both laughed about it and you know wow. wouldn't be easy.
0: <laughs> not at all. Nah, it wouldn't. And I'll just to try to transition. Something else that didn't seem incredibly easy is I'm gonna ask Rich, can I ask you about your trials and tribulations with Nextcloud and Office integration? Um oh. but but please do me a favor, start with the um hardware that you're using and
1: where you got next cloud. Okie doke. Uh wow. The, that's kind of a question I wasn't prepared for, but uh good good question nonetheless. You can do it. So um what I ended up doing is... Uh, so this is kind of a cascade of failure that led me to this issue. And the reason... I, I have been running NextCloud for a long time, but I didn't necessarily have a need to run NextCloud with only Office. And what I was trying to do... Uh, my wife's hard drive failed at her Windows machine. My wife is a Windows out. Sorry. So is my mom. Um, <laughs> so uh, I did load a Windows-like linux on her computer and she just took a look at it and said nope i want windows 10 <laughs> um she wouldn't even touch it you know i brought up a browser i brought up like uh an only office document and that was it. anyhow so part of that was i was hoping she she does use the same chromebook as i and i'm like hey the chromebook has a a next plugin um If you use only Office on NextCloud, you can use your Chromebook. You don't need anything else. So finally, I saw a video that talked about uh, NextCloud integration. I'm sorry, only Office integration into NextCloud. So let me roll back a little bit. I've been running NextCloud on my... Boy, somebody's probably screaming it as they're listening to the podcast. I'm running basically almost everything on my infrastructure on um, an Odroid XU4. How so, was that? you know, for the most part, it's real good. I've got my N2 plugged in over here. I'm wanna. I've got it mostly prepped and ready to swap out. I just haven't gotten to the swap out point.
2: Now, so, the end, the end, real quick, before I forget, uh, the N2. What is that compared to the uh, Odroid? Uh, the what is the N two? Is it a quad core? Or is it a octa core beefed up? Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a hexa
1: core, I I or an octa core, but it, it does so have the six core. Yeah, it has the big little architecture. It has four USB, uh, three ports on it, an HDMI port. Um, I what is it? It's got an eMMC socket, micro SD gigabit ethernet so it doesn't have wi-fi doesn't have bluetooth but okay. like pretty much okay. yeah it's um it's kind of like a half height nook basically and uh you know just just so i get the complete plug in if you're in the u.s and you want to buy one get it from a shop around on their site i think they have a multimedia version of it that uh comes with a case and a power supply so you can get it a la carte, but I think you pay more for it. Look, look on uh, Ameridroid for the multimedia setup. All right, so Odroid XU4 is what I'm currently running Nextcloud on. DOR said, hey, if you're going to run only Office, you're going to want to run it on some Intel hardware. So I have a um, home ESXi setup, home VMware setup, or home lab, as you want to call it. The unfortunate thing in the VMware world is they have what's called vSphere integrated containers. Well, there's nothing integrated about it. It's actually much easier to run um, like uh, a Linux distro with Docker on it than to run the integrated setup. So that's that's kind of the hitch on it. So what I actually did do is I downloaded a VM and the VM has only Office and Nextcloud on it. There is some configuration that you need to do on your LAN for DNS, and you can edit your hosts file for it, and that'll work that way. Um, the final niche or final thing to get it running correctly was just going to the settings of only Office and putting the correct DNS name in. And then when you click on next cloud new document and you say what type of document it is boom it opens up only office in the browser and there you go you're editing away
2: that's nice i i like that um the difference i see um on my i guess you could say beast setup is is i'm running unraid which i really wish they would start making for uh, the arm architecture because unraid is just it's a good setup um and I have multiple things running, but but it, it comes integrated literally with a Docker uh, with a Docker um, setup already running. You know when you install Unraid, it has Docker, it has VMs, it has you know different different things you can run. Um, but I'm not a uh, much of a server person, so I'm learning as I go. And it is so far, I haven't had any major problems that I couldn't that either weren't my fault or that weren't uh, very easily fixable. And I'm running uh, NextCloud as well. So I just, I haven't done any open office with it yet or only office.
1: So I want to make sure I get you the URL. So, okay, it's uh, Univention. So it's univention.com where I got the VM from. And uh, I'll, I'll drop that in the YouTube chat here.
0: Very cool. And it looks like the um, Odroid bundle um, is the Odroid N2 Core Elect Edition, where it comes with the power supply, the full case. So it looks more like a set-top box. It looks like the uh, production backs should be available in October 2020. Um, it goes up to a uh, four-gigabyte model, which I will say, everything I've seen, this, even though it's a two-gig or four-gig model, it outperforms the numbers that it provides. It's that, like, good.
1: Yeah, I've I've run some test rigs um, with the Odroid XU4 and the oh gosh, who, who's the other one um, where it had the PCI bus? Why am I losing it? They, uh, what, what's the SBC? It's a larger SBC and it has the PCI bus on it. Uh, sure, or you got 64 one of those? The Rock, yeah, yeah, the Rock sixty four. Was uh, it Pro Rock sixty four Pro? Yeah. So. They...
0: Uh, Rock 64 is basically just a Raspberry Pi type computer. Ra- uh, Rock 64 Pro is slightly bigger. It has basically a full PCI 16X bus on it.
1: So what I did, uh, and I've mentioned this in prior mini PC podcasts, is just I did a test rig, and I was running uh, on the Rock 64 LVM, which allows you to just plug in a whole bunch of drives, and it does a virtual file system across them, and then plug that into a switch and then have the uh n2 run boy why am i slow tonight um plex sorry running plex and i ran fine i was kind of shocked at how good that worked
2: yeah i have uh let's see i have too much stuff to count that's why i'm running it on a bigger thing but uh but that's really neat i like that i like that idea i i like the idea of having you know, multiple mini PCs running in a quote-unquote 3D-printed 10-inch rack. That's something I've wanted to do for a while, where it's 10 inches wide and, and you, you build it as a small mini rack with each um, mini PC in its own little compartment. But uh, because my big worry is, you know, my, my, whole, my whole server could go down and then everything's done for a while. You know, if if I had multiple mini PCs, I just have one that I just pop the card out or pop the EMMC out and plug it into a new one. You know, just bring it back up. But yeah. Uh... I,
1: so here's the problem um, when something is running off of one SPC and it doesn't reach out to other resources it's easy to rebuild that Like you can image the micro sd card and and then you can just burn another sd card and and like say you have the sd card fail but when it becomes something um you have to be very a lot better at documentation it really scales exponentially on the complexity when it's six months later and you got to rebuild it So if you do a system where you're using um, one thing with logical volume manager, you know, one SBC and the other SBC is doing, you know, hosting containers that reach out to that LVM for storage. All of a sudden uh, it gets pretty complex and you got to have copious notes and good backups because when you have to tweak that in the future, it's going to be a bit of a bear.
2: Yeah, no, I'll agree with that, and that's that's one thing I'm very, very bad at is uh is taking notes, and that's one thing I've been working on, just trying to document better, and that's that's been a bit of a challenge for me.
0: I'll just say, trust me when I say I understand. Uh, documentation is the OCD ADDS person's like utter weakness. Um. Yes. And I'll and I'll say timing is everything. The real reason I asked Rich to go into his only office. And I don't want to say woes, but his experience, because nothing with these Pi devices seems to work as soon as you try it. You always got to tweak. You always got to try something else in order to get things working, because by the time somebody documents something, libraries changed, operating system has changed. So things on top of that changed. But there's an ulterior motive, Um, line uh, 205, the notes. And I'm bringing this because this really, truly shocked me um like you know i can't there's the the words are really hard to come up with okay next cloud files and notes uh for secure and easy note calibration now that i think about it i think i actually put the wrong link there yes okay sorry um let me try this again to say Control C, come down here, Control B. 209
1: yeah. was the correct line. It's Microsoft yeah. Online Server as Document Editor Nextcloud.
0: Right, okay. Now, here's the thing. With today's release on September 16th of Office Online Integration App, enterprises, enterprises, enterprises can use self-hosted Microsoft office online server to view edit documents with from within Nextcloud this enables companies to operate an MS Office environment on a private secure server with familiar user interface and full compatibility with MS Office formats so you huh. can literally host an MS Microsoft Office server interface on your private next cloud server you can literally DNS black hole every Microsoft server that has ever existed and this will still work with complete functionality the enterprise huh. license I'm sure ain't cheap I gotta say that like uh, first and foremost but for but Microsoft yeah for Microsoft to allow you to have full 100% guaranteed compatibility with all Excel documents all word documents all, Access files, all PowerPoint presentations, like everything in Office without having to communicate with a master server. Sorry for offending anyone with the main Microsoft server, and yet have it in a cloud type ecosystem is one of those things I never thought Microsoft would allow. Never thought
2: they would either, actually.
0: So, and I, I mean, it, it just goes to show you. um, when I say something isn't possible, isn't probable, isn't going to happen, the only thing that is true is like my now like ten year dead mother from the South Bronx would say, "Well, you never know." And I guess I don't because they
2: did this. Wow, that's a, that's that's pretty impressive. To be honest, that's that's pretty. Uh, huh. And I, 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 but then again, I never thought they'd they'd do a uh, Chromium style browser on all their stuff either. Right. Yeah,
0: and I know more than a couple of people that work within DoD and who have literally stood up their own next cloud instances because of the privacy features that was basically enabled by default. And yeah. now if they can offer those users true Microsoft Office format functionality, um that would be something that I guarantee you that enterprise would be more than happy to pay uh w- without flinching or hesitating. And yes, um The things that they've done recently are the kinds of things that just proves that they're not like IBM. They're not big blue. They're not some huge Titanic ship that can't turn fast. And, you know, the old saying was, you'll never get fired for picking IBM. The undertone was, even if it was the wrong solution to pick, you wouldn't have gotten fired because you picked IBM. Yeah. With Microsoft, they're definitely trying to stay ahead of the curve. And this kind of thing proves it. Now, doesn't mean I trust them. They're still scummier than scummy can get. They're still basically child predators. I won't let around my kids. Um, But for them to do this kind of thing is a good olive branch. But it will take 10 years, at least to me, of this olive branch for me to even begin
1: to trust them as a company. So I'm trying to figure out how much this costs. And let's see. So it says volume licensing account can download OOS from volume license servicing center at no cost. It will have view only functionality, which includes PowerPoint sharing and Skype for business customers. That requirement document creation, edit and save functionality in OOS will need to have an on-premises office suite. I'm still not sure what this all means.
2: I can't see it being
0: cheap at all. I'll just say it. the closest price I could find was easily, I want to say $12,000 a year, but yeah. it's geared for the
2: enterprise. Well, mm-hmm. I have a, I have a buddy that, that actually works for uh, GitHub and uh, before they got bought out, so, I was going to say
1: you mean Microsoft, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Before they got bought out. So he actually still works there. So I'm going to, I'm going to send this to him. I actually already sent it to him and he's looking into it and, i'm uh i'm gonna see if i can get a uh like a uh i guess you could say a price or uh a way of, a way of doing it from him because he's a like, copy yeah yeah basically because he's a he's a he's an arduino maker like us you know he's he's a good guy in fact i think he'd like the show i think i'd have to i may have to invite him onto one of these shows one of these days
0: as long as his mic isn't crapped, he's well invited um
2: yeah, he it definitely is not. He's his big thing is synthesizers, so he has a studio grade mic. So
0: very cool. Um, and I do want to talk about line two hundred six in the notes at least just for a moment, and it's because Mozilla has gone through a lot of things this year, just like everybody else, where things have changed, priorities have changed, jobs have changed. Uh, Mozilla had to fire, I want to say 250 people, which was over, I think it was like 20% of their staff. Um, so in the last like 10 days, they had to discontinue two services they offered for free. One of them was Firefox notes. The other one was Firefox send, uh, send. They admitted they had to drop because people with, um, bad intent was using it to share files that were not legal. And when I say not legal, I don't mean like they were copying movies. I'll just say they were copying things that would have been very welcome on the island that Jeffrey Epstein owned. Wink, wink. (laughs) So with that stated, uh, Nextcloud basically can help alleviate anyone who is transitioning away from Mozilla Firefox Send and Mozilla Firefox Notes. And I can attest to this. If you have the notes application installed, it's very easy to send a link to anybody and say, let's collaborate on this tech document, or I have a file. Let's say the file is hypothetically the movie 1917, where all they do is walk for two and a half hours, but somebody really wants it really bad. So I can just send them a link from my next cloud. And I can even say this link will deprecate in two days. So you better hurry up and get it. Cause after that it won't last anymore. Um, the share feature inside Nextcloud is surprisingly robust, is the way that I'll put it. And again, Nextcloud is the kind of thing that if you want, you can install on a VPS host you get from like DigitalOcean, or you can install it on a Raspberry Pi and port forward the ports forward. Uh or you can even install it in a VM and just say, I want this to be a my my gradable solution. And own your bits even offers a Docker image called Nextcloud Pi. So it's l- literally just one command away in a Docker interface where you can install in air quotes full blown next cloud and get the ease ability to open up a collaborative notes document or share large or larger files with anyone with very, very little friction.
2: Actually, uh I can attest to the uh, Docker image because I think that's the one that I'm running um, on my Unraid. It is ridiculously easy, and I have 62 gigabytes being used right now, and I have you know 18 terabytes, which I don't know how much that would cost, uh, you know, from Google or or wherever. But the fact that I own it, the fact that it's mine, the fact that I can share it, um, I have a reverse proxy. Running on my my own website, so I can send anything very easily. Um, it's just really neat. In fact, I have my uh, um, some of my family on it too, which is also nice because they are afraid of Dropbox because you know,
0: Condoleezza Rice.
2: <clears throat> well, yeah,
0: yeah. She got she was appointed some position inside Dropbox with a, which a lot of conspiracy theorists believed it just allowed the federal government easier access to get any file off of dropbox that that they wanted
2: yeah i didn't i actually didn't know about that so but that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah i make it when you're yeah but just the fact that i own it and it's all you know built into my rv so which is just for fun you know mainly
0: well it's one of those things i firmly believe even playing with Nextcloud, whether it is on a Raspberry Pi, in a VM, or on genuine x86 hardware, it gives you a much greater understanding just how far free Libra open source software has came to truly come close. Like razor margin close to competing with the big boys. Whether it's OneDrive, whether it's Dropbox, whether it's Office 365, whether it's any of those other solutions out there. Um, because NextCloud has calendaring solutions, email solutions, file synchronization solutions, file sharing uh, uh, solutions. Um, It even has some streaming audio solutions built into it. Um, And the truth is it's only going to become more robust with time. So it's the kind of application I follow because I'm really excited just how full-featured and how rich and how smooth It's going to be in 2021, 2022, 2023, where it's going to start to compete with some really big heavyweight applications.
2: You know, I I see it. I agree completely because I can see it. um, I have absolutely no issues with it even now. Um, But then again, I don't use it to its fullest extent as far as, you know, uh, as an office solution. I use it for data backup, I use it for data sharing, I use it for, you know, and the synchronization features on it are ridiculously, I mean, they're just as good as anything. And you know, as long as you have a good upload speed, you know, it it doesn't, it doesn't have a problem with anything, you know, I haven't had anything, you know, fail or anything.
0: Yep. well like long and short of it was when it was own cloud i had it running on a banana pi pro for it was over three years with zero downtime
2: i remember Um, that yeah
0: yeah then it switched over the owner creator decided to back out of own cloud because he didn't like where it was going and he went to next cloud and then with next cloud i can literally have it running for easily a year straight and not even blink because it just works um If I was in an enterprise environment and I had the ability to select what tool we were going to use to synchronize files between computers, I would be hard pressed to select anything except for NextCloud only because of its centralization authority and its true privacy intent to where I control everything from the beginning to the end, where with a lot of other solutions, You have to relinquish a certain amount of control to cloud-based servers that you don't even know are involved with your synchronization tools, is the way I'll put it.
2: Yeah. um, It just, yeah, I haven't had, I'm just trying to remember the last time I had a real problem with it. And, you know, I've had problems with, with everything else, you know, mainly my fault, not setting it up, not knowing how to set it up right. But Uh, next cloud was just very easy setup very you know very straightforward settings um haven't had any problems with it yeah
0: very cool um i wanted to jump to a link mainly because i just wanted to make sure it was bookmarked uh 207 in the notes because i already moved it up like that um and it's and box uh and box is a way to run 32 bit applications on a raspberry pi and box 86 is it, its goal is to run steam in a raspberry pi and i will say i've gotten really close to it working on multiple raspberry pi things but i have not yet got it to actually run a game i've gotten it to run the steam interface but then the problem becomes the normal Steam interface requires a 32-bit browser to display the contents. But then if you'd switch it over to minimalistic mode, you can actually browse your Steam library and stuff. But I haven't yet gotten it to the point to where it can install games and play games. But if I smell what this is cooking kind of thing, it's going to be maybe another month or two to where you'll be able to load up a raspberry pi image load box 86 and you'll be able to actually load and play some lower end games with maybe some easiness. And then maybe in a year from now, you'll be able to play a fair amount of games with a little bit of issues. I'll say, um, I'm, I, I just want this in the notes because I want to keep pinging this, keep trying this because one day I'm going to load it up and it's going to actually work.
2: Yeah. And I've, I've, I've seen you, uh, I've seen how, how close you've gotten on it and it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's good to, it's good to see it getting closer and closer. And, you know, I've seen you, you know, getting closer and closer.
0: Yeah. I mean, so far it's a damn tease. It's gotten so close.
2: Yeah. I'm, I've seen that, you know, and it, and it's and it's frustrating, but it's also really exciting.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. Another link. I absolutely had to bring in the notes line 210. I'll start with, I understand people who are not fanatical about the idea of the pine phone. It's 150 bucks. It's not going to knock your socks off. It's not going to run the latest Fortnite or crisis or whatever, but it's not supposed to kind of like if you get a Chromebook and expect to run, um, you know, some crazy blender post-processing things it, that that's not how it works. Um, but PinePhone did, uh, talk about, they now have released a 13 in one multi boot solution is the way that I'll put it. Uh, and there will be a link directly to it as well. Um, to where they're going to try to enable basically developers to have a ridiculous amount of operating systems, multi boot and, Big shout out to Joe Heck. This is the kind of thing that Joe Heck has been working on and off for like two or three years to where he wants to enable multi-boot ARM-based systems to where you can have one SD card in your device. Because now you can have, literally have a two terabyte SD card in your device. And in the boot partition, you can have this multi-boot option to where you can say, today I feel like booting up to Postmarket OS. Tomorrow, I feel like booting up to Android. The day after that, I decide I want to boot up to Manjaro. The day after that, I think I want to boot up to Mobian. The day after that, I want to boot up to KDE Neon. And it just keeps going on and on and on. With the Pine phone basically bringing this into their ecosystem, you'll be able to now simply insert this pre-configured SD card into your device, and you can start a 13-in-1 multi-boot operating system um if this is not like what i would call a hacker's delight i don't know what
2: is i'm kind of uh stuck on a on a different uh i'm i'm excited about the pine phone because i, I definitely do want one um my problem being i'd want to do way too much with it to where it would not end up being a sustainable phone because i've just screwed it too much but uh i'm actually kind of Looking at the uh, Raspberry Pi touchscreen monitor online. Uh, let's see, it was line 220. I just want to jump to it real quick because I've never seen someone with such small hands using a uh, a touchscreen. So if you look at the uh, pictures, it looks like it's a 15 inch touchscreen, and it's, yeah. it's really funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where you got to make sure that you read like where in, you know, yeah, in, in, in like old B old like eBay things you got to make sure you read the description because yes just looking at the picture that's like a 17 inch oh. screen
1: oh yeah, oh, it's, yeah. Great. it's great yeah no that yeah yeah they they definitely got the scaling off on the hand that's an adult hand just scaled down to like 50% oh yeah
2: not not even cuz i have the original touch um the touch screen for the raspberry pi and it's it's the size of a <laughs> big phone (laughs) because realistically my
1: note 8 is what 6.2 inches diagonal yeah yeah i i mean so seven inches isn't much bigger my my hand would cover most of the phone
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah.
0: every every single image they show of this
1: screen yeah it's
0: dramatically inaccurate oh yeah
2: it's it's, wow it's, it's
0: just fun to look at mostly
1: that that is so totally scammy
0: it is but I'm not gonna lie. I would still like one to play with. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. it's still seventy-seven dollars.
2: Which you could get the uh, the captive um, ten-point touchscreen for the Raspberry Pi for I think sixty or sixty-five or something now. But uh, but yeah, I, I need to get a new one because number one, I dropped. Uh, I cleaned it with uh, isopropyl alcohol, and it left um, watermarks or alcohol marks inside the screen, and oh, I sucks. cracked. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. And I also uh, cracked the corner of it off. So, yeah, I probably should get another one eventually.
1: I'm going to make a request. We go to line 209 for the $10 Lilliputian computer, and I just bought one for $15. It's in stock? No, in it stock? says it'll be uh, on the 29th, which is how many days away? Ooh, that's... It, it comes with... All right, so here's the shocker. It's a one-gig... RK3328 the rock chip. Yep, yep. Uh, gigabit Ethernet, 1GB gig RAM, 1 USB 3.0 port, two USB 2.0 ports. I don't think it has any wireless technology on it. But apparently it comes with a power supply, a micro SD card and, and a screen, some little screen of some sort. That's that's
2: kind of that's really neat actually. For I 15 like 15 box.
1: I mean, Yeah realistically it is still a ten dollar computer you're getting a three or four dollar power supply and a three or four dollar uh sd card and you know a few dollars worth of
2: display
0: i know but for that price it seems 16 like it's by crazy. 2
2: serial you know, display yeah the ser- it, the fact that it's a little serial display is just it's kind of i i really like that because i love those little serial displays 16 bucks and
1: you're absolutely getting the value for your money
2: definitely now, cool.
1: my my big question is, will it run Diet pie But I haven't seen that. But I did see somebody say, "Where is it?" I'm looking for what OS they said they ran on it.
2: I actually have, uh, I have probably a hundred. Uh, one of my neighbors refurbishes for a company that uh, he was doing uh, head headsets, headphones, and they they told him to keep all the uh, all the extra wires. So now I have. About a hundred. Uh, let's see. What are they? Optical um, audio, uh, opti- optical audio cables, um, RCA splitters, um, three three pin audio jacks, and uh, five volt, five hundred milliamp uh, power supplies. About a hundred of each. Oh, cool. So you're yeah, Pi ready? So, yeah, I'm pretty much pie ready on that. Well. I don't know because it is only 500 milliamps, so I don't think many Pies, aside from mm. the uh, the what is it, Pi Zero, would be able to run it. Would be able to run off of it.
1: Definitely not powering anything on the USB port.
2: Definitely, you're right. Yeah, and
1: for those of you out there that think you need three amps or whatever to run a Pi, you need the amperage to power the USB ports. If you're not running anything on the USB ports, you should be fine as far as you know running the CPU.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I ran into that issue a few times that uh, I didn't realize that, you know, the, the Pi doesn't pull as much power as a USB does, by far.
1: Correct.
0: Yeah, and there's a link I did want to bring. Uh, it was thanks to uh, Captain Zero, who joined us live here in the um, YouTube chat, uh, line 213. It's called Open Canary.
1: Okay. Oh, the I mo- want that.
0: Well, the number one complaint I hear from people in the mini PC world is everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. Might as well eat a can of worms type of attitude. I have a raspberry pie sitting here and I don't know what to do with it. Oh, God, no imagination whatsoever. Okay. Period. You yeah. Have I'll extra, hear that. Ra- if you have an extra raspberry Pi, the perfect use case for it, dare I say, perfect use case for it is to turn it into a honeypot, aka one of the best mouse traps that have ever existed is the way I'll put it. Um and there's a link to a, another maker is what it's called uh on GitHub. They have an open canary and it's basically a script where as long as you're running default Debian, not Ubuntu, not Diet Pie, not Ubuntu Mate not armbian, not any of those things. If you're running raw Debian, I was able to get this to work on an SD card because the beauty of Raspberry Pis is you simply replace the SD card and voila, you can test it out. And it literally gives you every single command that you need to run step by step by step by step. And then it will basically show you how to basically install this open canary, configure it to work with your email client of choice, whether it is a SMTP solution, an IMAP solution or Gmail solution. And then it will instruct you how to install SFTP, FTP web servers. And basically say, if someone is trying to access this service, you will immediately get an email. That's what a honeypot is. It basically presents itself as a low barrier of entry solution on your network. So hypothetically, if your wife, child, or significant other, whatever, is running a Windows device and then goes to a sketchy domain and then gets an infection. And that infection tries to scan the local network for vulnerable devices. It's going to hit that honeypot. And when it hits that honeypot, it's basically like tickling the underbelly of a reptile to where it will just become giddy and send you an email to let you know this IP address tried to access this thing at this date and time. So you'll know, honey, your Windows device tried to access my honeypot. At 2:02 p.m., and then they'll be like, "Well, I I wasn't doing anything special. I was just browsing Instagram." Well, there you know, their device is now compromised and pwned.
2: That's interesting. I like that. I uh, gotta put that on my dad's or com- uh, put it, put that on the network with my dad's computer on it. Well, yeah.
0: And you hit the nail on the head. The more untrusted the network is, the more this is needed. The more this is where you need to buy, like an old Raspberry Pi 3, install this and put it in your mother's network, your father's network, your brother's network, your sister's network, your nieces, your nephews, people who don't understand how computers are. And then you set the email address to your email address. So you can say, you know, cousin Joe, I don't know what you've been doing, but in the last day, your computer got compromised. So maybe you need to take it to a computer specialist. And this is the kind of software that will let you know before it's gotten too bad.
2: Yeah, that's uh. Well, the thing that always scares me is um, a ransomware set type thing. And this, you know, it it could be, you know, it would it would be nice to. Because I, I remember, oh, I forgot who it was. Someone had a honeypot style um, ransomware thing, but uh, yeah, I like this for for just putting on a network and having your email. You know, because you could you could easily just point it to you whenever whenever anyone does anything shady or, or even if they don't know. You know, well they usually don't. Right, and like the
0: the gimmick is is. If you're worried about ransomware, well, then you open up a Samba or a Windows share, because that's always the first thing that they try to do. Um, And this is from a company offering this exact software as a paid solution. So if you want to, you can literally pay it. I want to say it was eight bucks a month. They'll send you the hardware and then the software and you put it in someone's ecosystem or you can build it yourself. Um, I'd like those kinds of options. Okay, so what I'll say, is there any other things in the notes or that uh, you guys came across in the last two weeks that you would like to talk
1: about? Can I talk about 3D printing?
0: You can talk about anything that strikes your fancy.
1: Okie doke. Uh, I dropped a link earlier into the case that I had. So what I, I bought a case and I wanted to take it with me on the trip to get the car and I wanted the case to lock. So it came with these latches, and what I figured out is I I took that and I figured a way I had an idea on how to make it lock. So I was gonna use one of these long hasp locks. So I took this, traced it on a piece of paper, scanned it, brought it into GIMP, cleaned it up, printed a shorter prototype just to see if it worked, if my geometry was correct. It did. I then printed a version where on, between my thumb and forefinger is where the lock would go in that hole. And that worked good. And I put some, you know, just details on it. And then I printed a full size version of it, which it's on my case. But the clever thing is I printed a drill guide. So the hinge pin is right here. And then it would go in, I would drill the first hole, then I would put the latch I printed on and then drill the second hole. And then this fits right through it.
2: That's neat. I like that. Um, so this that's isn't really the latch. Cool. Yeah.
1: But I, I posted, I think, on my Instagram, on some of my social media, if you give me a second, I'll pick up the case and show you.
0: I can always click truncate silence in post-production, which I love.
1: So that's, I don't know if you're seeing real well, but that's how the latch goes through. And it locks. That's cool. And... That's the, the latch on it, on the case. It looks That's like it really works many. very well. Yeah, it does look, look good. And TSA had no issue with what I was carrying through it. That works. Very cool, very cool. Um,
0: the last thing I just wanted to bring, and it's only because I literally, I, I just wanted the notes for future reference, line 213 in the notes. Okay, uh, it's from dot which i will say browsing that domain i found a lot of very interesting projects is the nicest way i'll put it some of them are very weird some of them seem unbelievably useful this one is called how to set up a smashing dashboard on your raspberry pi
2: now door why'd you have to send this i
0: know i know uh everything, everything is about presentation. You know what I mean? When you go to a fancy restaurant, half what you're paying for is a presentation. Same thing with this thing. And it, I'll say this, it's running diet pie rich. So it's one of those easier things to set up to where you can set up what what they call smashing dashboard. And when you go through all of the code, you go through all of the ASCII characters, you type everything out to make it however you want it to look. It ends up looking to me, I'll just put it like this, to be a glorious easy to understand graphical interface that you could literally just have running nonstop and just walk by and say, this process is starting to use up too much of my resources. Let me just log in and kill it now. Uh, and you can set up alerts, you can set up notifications. Not only that, um, this to me is the kind of dashboard I really wish I had like six years ago kind of thing. Um, I don't know what took them so long is the best way I'll put it um, because it looks really clean. It looks really easy to understand. Um, I want to find a time to where I can literally sit down and work on this. Um, but it looks like it says the article only takes six to eight minutes to read, but I'm pretty sure it will take you 40 to 60 minutes to copy paste everything and have it work.
2: Huh. Um. So this reminds me of, a, it's basically a dashboard that I, that I remember I set up for, for something, but this is, this is a really neat setup, but, uh, what I've been wanting to find the time for is, uh, my home assistant stuff. I've been doing a little bit more and more with home assistant. I have, uh, an old note tablet that, uh, when you walk by turns on, um, goes to the, the home assistant stuff, but I kind of like this look better. So I might have to uh, look into doing this.
0: Well, if you don't want to follow this exact thing, if you just go to the link in the notes and look up setting up smashing right beneath it, it says smashing is a, I want to say, Sinatra based framework. So I'm sure if you look up Sinatra based framework, it will let you customize this to your heart's content to get something you exactly want out of it. Yeah. I'm also sure it would take a little bit of work. Um, Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that where I, my whole goal in life is to have one central interface running on very secure hardware connecting to all my other appliances, all my other devices, all my other instances to let me know just their overall health score is the way that I'll put it. And this looks like a very, very good start to that kind of interface.
2: Well, my, uh, my my tablet my my whole home assistant setup idea is to have the layout of my RV um, running on a tablet. So when I walk by, it turns on, and it basically like like you said, it tells me what lights are on, it tells me what you know what batteries, battery percentages, and then I can tap on where each P, each section of the of the RV, and then it goes into a deeper, deeper dive. So that's always been my, my want is, you know, all the, all the, you know, water levels, the everything all in one spot. So I agree. You know, that's, that's what I want to is just one easy to use interface that can go deeper in everything.
1: So I, I hate to rain on the parade. My only beef with this, and I, I talked to Dora about this beforehand is I wish it was headless I wish it was a web UI as opposed to having a plug in HDMI. It is a web UI?
0: Yes. I guess you didn't read it because it what? says, and um, basically it says after you have it fully loaded, you can access this interface from a remote computer.
1: Oh, too cool. All right. Yeah. I'm game. Yeah. Now you should
0: be able to connect to it on localhost or using the LAN address of the Raspberry Pi on port 3030. And it should look something like this. And it's the full graphic interface because I didn't catch it either, Rich. Because when you said it, I said I gotta look at this thing a little bit closer. Um, every bit of their configuration they're doing locally on it itself. But once you get it set up, it should be easily accessible on any web, any browser. web browser.
1: Okay, that that needs a test drive then.
2: That's cool. I like that. That's yeah. And that that reminds me of uh, yeah. I I really need to start posting what I'm doing with home assistant and my pies and all that fun stuff because I'm running, um, little ESP 32s, which are, you know, I've talked about in the past, basically, you know, a little Arduino with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth built in on steroids, you know? And so I have about two or three years ago, I ordered a hundred of them because I got them for a really good price and I'm still using them every day. Um, all, I bet I have 70 left, but I'll, I'll reuse the ones that don't find a permanent home. Right now, I have a couple lights. It's running a couple lights. It's running a um, an alarm. Uh, another one's running an alarm. I'm gonna be doing some tail lights. Actually, uh, I just picked up the the tail lights, tail lights for my Nissan that I'm gonna break apart and uh, replace all the insides with 3D printed. Uh, pieces that will be, I'm just, I'm ecstatic about that. Um, but basically all will be a wireless, um, I'm gonna be setting it up with an ESP32 to run the brake lights, the the, uh, the blinkers, backup lights, all that fun stuff, but I'll also be able to have a little web interface that I can connect to and change the theme. So the original theme I'm gonna go with is three round, um, three round tail lights. And I'm gonna make it a Pac-Man theme. So the whole underglow is gonna be blue. It's gonna have white, um, white pieces yep. going up. Yep. And then each tail light, when you turn on the blinker, it'll have it'll have Pac-Man eating, you know, pellets as it goes by. You know, so sequential taillights, you know or sequential uh, blinkers, and then of course, you know, red ghosts for the brakes. And I did find out that there is a white ghost in one of the uh one of the I, one of the one-off ones, there was a white ghost, so I can make the white ghost as a backup light.
0: I want to say it was baby pack, man,
2: but I can't remember. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And I will say to the listeners in the notes, there will be something called desk pi, D E S K P I. I definitely encourage you to check this out. Uh, I found it thanks to a video from ETA prime.
2: ETA Prime is awesome yeah
0: i'll just put it like this this solution to me can really help if you have a eight gig raspberry pi and you want it to be more desktop like form factor i think this company desk pi might have nailed it kind of like really well um i'm still running my uh raspberry pi four gig model with the ice tower cooler like a desktop and it's meeting every need that i have um I don't know what gain I would get if I go to the eight gig, but I will. It's only a question of when. So I'll just say, um, Brett, if there's any last, uh, words you would like to say on mini PCs or how can people contact you?
2: Um, basically just the contact is, uh, Hanson 3d Hanson underscore 3d, um, H a N S E N underscore 3d on all the Instagrams and all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be uh, posting some new stuff pretty soon and having some fun.
0: Very cool. Well, just like the Dreamcatchers, if you shoot me a link, you'll de- that link will also be in the notes. And I'll say, Rich, I cannot believe you did not bring up the real-time license plate identification system with the Raspberry Pi. That was from, I believe, Hackaday, because um, that's the kind of thing that I truly believe, like, tickles your fancy.
1: Oh That, yeah, yeah. that was well, me, we- too. We talked about that outside, you know, last week or whatever, when you brought that up. Uh, yeah, I I do want to set something like that up just for, like, hood watch. Uh, just keep an eye on my neighborhood. Uh, there's a couple other things. Uh, one of the other things I want to do is uh, sniffing Bluetooth, because everybody has something running Bluetooth on them all the time. Yep. So if somebody walked into my neighborhood with their phone on them, I would be able to get the MAC address of it, basically. And be able to log that. Hey, somebody was within this area at a certain time. Just uh, you know, look, I got cameras around the house. I'm just looking, you know, for stuff like that.
0: Oh yeah, the amount of open Bluetooth connections in 2020 is like the amount of open Wi-Fi connections like in 2012. It's everywhere. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would love, I would love, 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 love for somebody to offer like a. to $50 solution to where I can literally just suction cup to my dashboard and do the uh, license plate recognition just so if there is an accident and I witness it, I literally have everything recorded right there, ready to rock and roll. Um, I looked at this, everything that I saw did not um, indicate it was only available in the EU because all the license plates that, that they showed were definitely those... Long, wide license plates. I do believe it would work with U.S. license plate, but because I don't have the available hardware, I cannot test that on my own. It just seemed really cool. If it actually, I'll
2: have to, I'll have to uh, do that um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I have most of the stuff needed. Um, it will, you know, it's something that I've been meaning to do and wanting to do for for quite a while because we have um, a shop. You know, that is, you know, it's it's at the end of a, a dead end and it's at the end of a parking lot in the dead end. So if someone comes into that complex and they're not supposed to be there, it's very easy to figure it out. But if I could get a license plate recognition system, because we've had trailers stolen, we've had, you know, different things taken. And, you know, just being able to have that would, would be so nice. And uh, I just need to get off my butt and actually do it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And and there's one more link I absolutely have to bring only because Ven Stone from Linux Gamecast also shared the link. But I'm going to tell you right now, I had this link posted easily 36 hours before he did because that's how much of a nerd I am. Uh, It's from tomshardware.com and it's called USB Overload and our current notes is 217. It basically is a... (laughs) It's a mini atx computer form factor with 20 usb 3.0 ports uh two dvi one hdmi two gigabit ethernet um if you have this many usb devices that you need access to and i'm gonna tell you right now the perfect use case for this is usb cameras if you have usb based cameras like 20 or 30 of them this is godsend this is what you need because this will give you every bit of throughput to record everything you've ever desired um except for that you could like use it for like USB hard drives
2: USB copying USB uh, cloning
0: cloning and copying yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah Testified. um I don't see any problem with this I have 16 uh, USB 3.0 on my uh, at my desk right now of course you know only using half of them but my uh it's it's pulling from the server, so I have a thirty foot uh U- uh active um USB extension going to this sixteen and I have not had any problems, but uh yeah, it's I see no problem with this twenty. I really don't. <laughs>
0: I don't only because I know with USB ports it's not like um the old school SATA or parallel ports to where you can literally have is because realistically you have twenty ports, I know there's five buses. And I know five buses could easily handle all the throughput. If all these are truly running USB 3.0 transfer speeds where you could literally host on this motherboard, what used to cost like an ISP, like $20,000 a month.
2: Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, it's crazy what they're, what they're doing with all the speeds and it's just getting so fast.
0: I just love it. Um, and I'll say, Rich, uh, if people would like to catch up with you, if people would like to watch your uh, Comma AI videos, if people would like to watch your uh, enthusiastic videos on topics you decide are really important to you, what is the best way for people to do that?
1: So uh, flyingrich.com, youtube.com slash flyingrich, and there's no spaces between flying and rich. And uh, Instagram, it's Rich underscore official.
0: I don't know if I have that Instagram link in the notes. If I don't, please let me know. I know I have the Flying Rich in the notes for you. Well, thank you. Well, that's what I'm here for. Uh, since we don't take ad revenue, we take revenue from our local affiliates. And those affiliates are Brett and Rich and people like Red, people like Chatter, people like uh, Christian who come out, people like Charge Up. Uh, Charles and Swift who drop by in the chat. Uh those are the people who are important to us and the people who should be important to you as well. Uh, again, my name is George Geek. This is Mini PC Big Talk Little Machines. If you would like to uh take care of us, you simply need to go to patreon.com slash love mini PC show. If you would like to send us an email, it's also very easy. It is mini PC at podnuts.com. I want to thank everyone for their support. And we did miss an email from Mike Deem talking about mini PC as router and firewall. I will share this with Rich and Brent, and we will try to coalesce a response to you before the next episode. Mike, thank you very much for the email. Thank you very much for the support. Uh, And again, uh, if you are not here to support us, then we're not here to support you. Support those who support you. Period, bar none, hard stop. Thanks everyone for downloading. Thanks everyone for sharing the links on any social media platform. Thanks everyone for sending us voicemails at 7076podnuts. Thanking everybody who sends us any kind of correspondence on any platform that they derive is the correct platform. And again, we hope to talk to everyone again real soon. Thanks for the support, everybody.
2: Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast on the PodNuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology related. You can find us on iTunes and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.